Welcome back to The Taste. This is the second in our New York podcast series. If you missed our first one, go back and check it out. It's with Danny Meyer, and I think you'll really enjoy it. This one today was a blast. We got to record this in our suite overlooking Times Square with an old friend, Giovanni Manetti of Fontodi Winery. Fontodi is one of the top wineries in Chianti, located between Florence and Siena. I've known Giovanni a long time. He's thoughtful, he's charming, he's generous, he's a sharp-dressed man who runs a beautiful winery. Basically, Giovanni is who I want to be when I grow up. So let's get right to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Taste. We are still uh, in New York doing our New York series, and uh, we have a longtime friend of mine, Giovanni Manetti from Fantodi Winery in the heart of Chianti in Tuscany, Italy. Welcome, Giovanni. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. And hello to everybody, and thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to see you. And uh, as always uh, with folks, I know I have a, a, a little story to tell. This was back in um, 2003, the summer of 2003, which I think was the hottest year in on Italy record. on record. <laughs> and my dad uh, was turning 80 years old, so he decided to take his adult children to Italy, to Tuscany, for a week. And we stayed in the uh, your guest house at Fontodi, which is a beautiful villa, if you will. And we had a wonderful time. We traveled around and ate great food and drank great Sangiovese, which only cost 15 euros. I mean, it showed me what real true Sangiovese is all about. But we had a chance to meet, oh, I met um, Gianpaolo Molto at La Massa, who's a longtime friend and a character, your neighbor. But uh, one afternoon, Giovanni hosted my family and myself and uh, tasted all his wines and toured his winery, and it's just beautiful. And ever since then, we've well, we became great friends, and we see each other once or twice a year, usually on the road selling wine. And the thing that's unique and I, I love about Giovanni and my relationship is it always goes like this. We haven't seen each other for maybe eight or nine or ten months or a year. And the first comment is, how's your family? Yeah. We exchange that. <laughs> and then the next comment is, we both look each other in the eye and says, how's the harvest this year? <laughs> How are the grapes? Is it a hot year, a cold year? How are the wines looking? And we, we just, he just walked in the door here 10 minutes ago and, and um, it's, we uh, said, you know, we're still picking. He says, we're all done. So um, he's, he's relaxing this, this trip and I'm still thinking about grapes that, back home. That is the least of our priorities. Yes. Family first and then... Then the wine. The wine. <laughs> Family first, then the wine, then selling the wine. Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, great to have you here and uh, just kind of curious, I'd, you know, we've been friends for a long time, but I'm curious about Fantodi and your your family going back, you know, your parents, siblings. Where, where, where were you raised? What was your what were your parents up to in the beginning? Yeah, we um celebrating this year the 50th anniversary of uh, Fontodi in uh, 50 years. our hands. So wow. my father acquired Fontodi in 1968. Okay. And uh, he did that just, uh, you know, as a hobby. As a hobby, yeah, because <laughs> we are we are from that region. We are from the Chianti region, uh, and we have another activity in the family. We produce uh, terracotta tiles, and now even amphoras for for wine. Okay, 
uh, since 1650. So, um, you know, a long time 16, <laughs> activity. Okay. Yeah. 1650 was the, the terracotta business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started. That was what's your family? But my father, Dino, was very passionate about wine. So okay. his dream was to buy a vineyard, to starting to make wine, to share with friends and to, you know, for the family. And uh, that is what he did in 1968. And uh, after that, you know, he used to spend a lot of time at the end of the day because it was uh, quite close to the mm -hmm. other, to the main factory, the Terracotta factory. So uh, he used to spend a lot of time every day in the late afternoon and uh, every weekend, uh, you know, restoring the cellars, uh, replanting the vineyards. And uh, and a few years after, 1979, I, together with my mom, they decided to move the family from, from Florence, from the city, where I was born, okay. to, to Funtodi, to Panzano, that is in the middle of a Chianti area, in the middle of the countryside, in the middle of nowhere at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, it was a shock, you know, because I was 16 years 16 old. 16 years old. And, uh, you know, no disco, no disco, no girls, no, no fun. But a few weeks after, I remained, you know, attached. You, know. you fell in love with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I fell in yeah. love. I fell in love with the uh, with the countryside, with the beauty of the place, with the viticulture, with uh, you know, with everything. And uh, I started to be involved at that time, and uh, year by year, you know, taking more and more responsibility. And uh, since that time, that is uh, all my life. That's amazing. That's great. <laughs> so you grew up in Florence. Yeah. So grade school, high school. We yeah. did you sports in high school and college or ex music or anything like that or you know the, the you know, 70s so yeah yeah i was uh, also a motorcyclist okay at that time so um, yeah did you do did you race them you also yes you yes, raced yeah. motorcycles yeah yeah off see. off road motorcycle off -road. Good, because they don't go quite as fast to offer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was my sport, and even skiing or um, mm -hmm. ten playing tennis. Okay. Uh, very popular at that time, too. But more and more, you know, I, uh, the, the, you know, activity of uh, winemaking activity and vine growing activity uh, took all my time and uh, so I had no to time. stop with the uh, motorcycles <laughs> and the concentrating all my efforts well, in uh, the making wine well, and, and you're in good shape but the motorcycle thing that could be a little dangerous yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah quite risky <laughs> how many any any broken bones no 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 oh, no wow, no thanks God, no 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 and uh, but now I'm uh, you know 55 I'm a cyclist so ah. I turn to <laughs> Bicycles. <laughs> we have that in common. I, d I did too, because all oh, of a sudden with oh, the knees, you can't run anymore, and yeah. I started saying, One I'd... more thing in common. <laughs> well, good. So we need to get together and go go for a ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And we have beautiful races in Italy, yeah. and uh, two of them that are really the most beautiful one is on the Dolomites. Yes. That is uh, the Maratona delle Dolomiti. It's beautiful in uh, the first uh, uh, week of July. Yeah. And the other one I just did is Eroica. Okay. It's a bike race in the Chianti classical region with old bikes. Old bikes? Yeah, old clothes. So very heavy <laughs> woolen <laughs> shirt and uh, old bikes, very heavy too. Oh. And uh, all on a dirty road. 
that is uh, amazing, amazing, amazing. It's last edition, one month ago, there were 8,000 cyclists from all over the world. So huge, huge event. Now, do you still ride? You, were you riding that also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the main problem is that every year in the middle of the harvest time. It's harvest time, yeah. <laughs> so, so no time to, to do exercise. No, no, tra- no time to train. Yeah. <laughs> I understand, yeah. Um, now, I've, I've grown to... Um, I just like to go out and ride. I ride by myself. It's nice. <laughs> Sometimes I ride with Elias, my, our winemaker. We ride together. That's that's fun. You know, we, we we have enough pressure and stress at work, so riding the bikes in the country in Napa is just a little relaxing for us. I do the same, and yeah. um, you know, many times uh, when I have a problem to solve, yes. I take my bike and I do uh, some cycling alone, just alone. just myself. And I, I find a solution all the time, you know, because it's a, it's, it's a great sport to yeah. concentrate uh, your, yeah, your it thoughts. Clears, yeah. clears your mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. And, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to use that one. <laughs> sometimes I try, have those try, issues. Try. Yes, I go for a nice long ride. Um, and you mentioned the terracotta. <clears throat> Is it true that, so for 1650, that's three or 400 years. Yeah. That's a long, yeah. long time. <laughs> And it was, it's a family business. Family business, it's always in the same place, uh, the same products, and generation by generation. And now my brother Marco is running that business. Wow. But we are co-owner in uh, both uh, co- the companies. In, in yeah. both companies. And is it true some of the terracottas on, on the top of the Duomo? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. that's, that's really neat. <laughs> I mean, it's a beautiful place. And you're, yeah, it's a great product and typical of the area and uh, all the the main buildings in Florence you know the right. churches and museums uh, uh, you know they're made with our terracotta with your tires. terracotta yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's a great pleasure um, well, tell me about the terracotta if you don't mind it's, so it's it's based it has to do with the clay and the soil and yeah. special yeah. soils and clays that yeah, it's the same clay that we have in the in the vineyard. So okay. it's, a, it's a galestro clay. Galestro okay. is a, a Tuscan word meaning a calcar clay schist. Okay. That is uh, great to make wine, <laughs> to, especially for Sangiovese, but also to to make beautiful tiles. And since uh, ten years, uh, also amphoras, amphoras for wine. So now we have the possibility to, you know, to combine the two activity of the family and it's something so exciting that is neat yeah so you're making the amphoras which yeah. are how large are they the, the most used is uh, the most produced is uh, 500 liters 500 liter okay but we and the largest is 900 so they are quite small but it's something that is uh, very exciting because the wine can breathe oxygen like in a like in a wood like barrel, barrel. Yeah, okay. like in a wooden barrel but without any influence in the taste or in the it, flavor, so you don't get any clay taste or anything like that. No, 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 no. Absolutely, so wow. neutral. Neutral. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we are still experimenting with, with different varieties, different wines that we make. But it's something very exciting. That's neat. Anybody else doing that? Yes, yes, yes. More and more. And um, anyone in Napa Valley doing it? Uh, uh, yes. Oh, shoot! <laughs> Darn it! I want to be first. <laughs> That's great. Well, I, w- I would like to let you have one of them to try. Well, I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to. And I'll, I'll pay good money for it. And I heard it takes, doesn't it take quite a long time to make one of them? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it what's take, the, it takes, the process? Uh, yeah, it's, it takes more than one month to make one. Wow. But, uh, and we have two people, two artisans <coughs> that they, they, they make mm-hmm. Amphora. So it's a long process. 
it's all made by my, by hand, so it's a very artisanal. Fascinating. And uh, and probably the origin of wine was connected with the amphoras, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in, um, in Caucasus, so in Georgia or in Armenia. They they just found uh, recently amphoras with DNA wine uh, dated uh, eight thousand years. Uh, oh my ago. gosh! <laughs> so oh my gosh! Much uh, much more before the Romans or the Greeks or the Etruscans. Uh, so it's something amazing. You know? That's amazing. Yeah, and and probably the origin of wine was there. Well, I think it has to be. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, yeah. I feel like in California, I feel like such a baby in the wine world. <laughs> <laughs> just a bambino, <laughs> bambino. Um, Hey, quickly, just a little background on Chianti, because a lot of our folks might not be, be too familiar. So Tuscany is actually a state. In, it's a region. A region. Yeah. And then Chianti is a region within Tuscany. Yeah. The, is that correct? The Chianti Classico region is uh, in the central part of Tuscany, between Florence on the north and Siena on the south. Right. So it's uh, the wine region in between. <clears throat> and we are located in Panzano. Is it a small village halfway between the two cities and in the middle of uh, the Chianti Classico right. hills? And so the Chianti Classico is the name of the appellation. Okay. The one uh, with uh, the black rooster. The black so rooster, right. The, every bottle has a black rooster as a symbol of the, uh, the territory and the symbol of uh, the, the appellation. Got it. And the main grape is San yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. True story. On that trip I mentioned earlier with Dad, at that time, we were making a Sangiovese blend, Sangiovese Cabernet blend called Firebreak. I remember. And it, the, the origin and genesis of that was my father, just like your father, traveled to Italy years before in the late 80s with a couple of our New York importers who were, uh, were connected with the Itali- importing Italian wines. And he fell in, my father fell in love with Tignanello and Tenori's blend of Sangiovese and Cabernet. So he came back and said to Elias and me, fellas, I want to make Sangiovese. And so, you know, he's the boss, so we did it. And we made a wine called Firebreak. Um, The grapes were planted on a hill that was a natural firebreak for my folks' home. So we were making Firebreak, um, Sangiovese, a little bit of Cab, 10, 20% Cab. And it was a tough grape to grow, and it was a tough wine to make, and it was the learning curve was really steep. And so we'd been making it for eight or nine, ten years, and then we took this trip to Panzano, your, your home. And like I said, we're drinking, for seven days, we're drinking Euro Sangioveses that cost 15, 20 euros that were just fantastic. And I realized, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is the place to grow these grapes and make this wine, not Napa Valley. <clears throat> so I went back, walked into Elias' office, our winemaker, and I said, Elias, we're done making Sangiovese. And you know what he did? He said, that's the best news I've heard all day. <laughs> I said, why is that? He goes, because, Doug, you know, it's the toughest grape to grow. For us in Napa, it was incredibly difficult to grow that grape and to tame it and uh, also to make the wine. The wine was was tough. You know, it's, it's high acid and really tannic, and we were having a tough time with it. So we stopped making Sangiovese, and... We've been happy about that ever since. But <laughs> well, you make such beautiful wines, you know. Well, <laughs> well I, I think we realize that each region has, you know, strengths and weaknesses in the wine world. So 
we grow and make Cabernet, but when we come to Sangiovese, I drink Fantodi. That's how yeah, it goes. no, no, but we, we, we too, you know, we have we're thinking almost the same. You know, in the back in the eighties, uh, we were experimenting a lot of different varieties, international varieties like mm-hmm. you know Pinot and Syrah and Cabernet and Sauvignon and Chardonnay. But uh, I think more and more we have to concentrate our efforts in our main variety. And I pulled many of those uh, vines from international so varieties. So you, ex- you did experiment with other Yeah, vines. but um, more and more we are making Sangiovese-based wines. Okay. And uh, at the moment, 95% of all the properties planted with Sangiovese. So, and all our best wines are made with, with, with Sangiovese. Sangiovese. Yeah. And that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so... That's what I think we're all heading for worldwide is you know, focusing on the best grapes that do, you know, best varieties that do the best in each one's particular region. Yeah. So it makes sense. I think even, even the market is asking more and more that we specialize hmm. in, uh, in a particular variety in what we are doing better, you know? Right. So maximize what we you have do. to focus on uh, what is our best uh, product. And I think that is the future. I think, I think you're right. Yeah. So Getting back to Fontodi and your Sangiovese, you are in a gorgeous spot. I saw it because every morning I woke up and had my espresso looking over the vineyards. I got to know your vineyard guy really well because I was always up early because of the time change. <laughs> so I'd be out there drinking coffee and your vineyard guy you know, was out there doing things in June, July that we do in Napa. So we, he didn't speak English. I don't speak Italian, but we, we kind of, you know. Oh yeah, it's that time we're leafing now, we're suckering, whatever. But the region, I think it's 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 got a name. Help me, it's Conca de Oro. Conca d'Oro, Conca d'Oro, yeah. Which means basin of sun or basin of gold. It's, yeah, it's, a, uh, it's it's like uh, you know a, a golden shell, a golden, golden bowl, shell. you know, and uh, because it's a is a is a, a slope with a concave shape, mm-hmm. uh, so it's a sort of valley with a full southern exposure. So golden because there's a lots of light and uh, also for the quality of the products. So there is a really unique uh, microclimate there with uh, you know, lots of natural light, quite warm during the day, but uh, because of the elevation that is quite high, the, the, the temperature at night dropped, and especially in the crucial month, September, you know, right. where, where it is the month of quality, I used to say. You know? that's, a good, that's a good line. <laughs> September is the month of quality, warm days and cool nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we usually have, uh, you know, a, a big difference in temperature. Even a few weeks ago in the middle of the harvest, uh, one day we had something incredible. We had 29 degrees of, oh, no. of, of difference. <laughs> it was one degree at night and 30 at, uh, during the day. It's yes, maximum 29 degrees in one yeah, day. Yeah, something never seen. But Centigrade. 20 degree of difference <clears throat> is quite normal and something that helped us to keep the acidity, keep the mm-hmm. freshness and uh, um, uh, allowing us to have a slower ripening. So It's, a, it's such a special spot and that, that I can totally relate to the south and west facing slopes because that's what we have at our place, as we've, you and I have uh, talked uh, before. And our best Cabernet, Hillside Select, comes from those south and southwest facing slopes. And it's, it's just beautiful. It's a question and of you, terroir, territory. Terroir, and, and you know, don't you find that your best wines are the easiest ones? Our best wines come from our best grapes, and they're the easiest wines to make. 
Yeah. <laughs> you you're right, you're right, you're yeah. right. You're right. Um, it's just which nature's taking care of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, we have to assist nature to <laughs> to give birth <laughs> to the wine, but it's not easy, you know, at the end of the harvest. I'm tired. I don't know you, but uh, I'm very tired. Well, I, I, I used to be totally tired, physically and mentally. Yeah. And uh, as the years have gone on, a lot of the physical jobs I used to do are delegated, and we've got a larger team, which makes it that easier. But boy, mentally, I'm just yeah. stressed out. I'm, you know, stressing. You stressing. Just, yeah, it's just, yeah. Um, you don't realize until it's kind of done, and then it's just. Yeah. And our, we have both of us. We have gray hair. And <laughs> <laughs> they come from that. <laughs> I was wondering where it came from because you know, just I, I saw some pictures of me just. It's like seven, eight years ago. There's no gray hair. So. <clears throat> yeah. And we've had pretty normal harvests, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> um, but talking about your vineyards, which um, it's 70, 70 hectares, something like that. No, no, there are a little bit more. We have 90. 90. Yeah, we are growing little by little uh, when it's possible to buy some more land, but only on the borders. I see. So to my neighbors, uh, I do that because it's, um, you know, I think it's, it's a good investment. That's a great and, investment. Uh, I, I don't want to, to have vineyards in uh, other places, right. but, uh, but just there. So, um, and so when your dad bought it, I, I did a little research. It was, I think, apparently really run down. The vineyards yeah, the yeah, yeah. It was, uh, everything was to be, you know, restored and replanted and we still have a, just one parcel that has been planted before my my dad acquired uh, but all the rest has been plant, replanted after sure. that yeah uh, well 50 years congratulations yeah. by the way <laughs> well you. and i i found that your your father had a name for the place when he found it yeah he yeah. called it you're going to make me pronounce it i'll do it bella Ador, adormentata. Yes, 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 yes. Now, you, you, you need to say that. See her. Bella addormentata. Bella addormentata. So <laughs> Which like, means? Like a, a, a beautiful girl that was uh, sleeping. A sleeping beauty. <laughs> yeah, a sleeping, a sleeping beauty, beauty, like <laughs> the novel. And uh, so he had to invest a lot of money and time, especially time and energies to, to awake the, the girl, you know. I and, love it. And he, that was his hobby because he was running the terracotta business full time, which was, sounds like a... Big, big business. Yes, but uh, you know, his, his his passion was wine, so he did a lot of uh, sacrifices to do that. And I have to thank my my dad for the rest of my life for because he was able to transfer his passion for wine to me. You know, and uh, huh. that is not easy. Now I have children. I have two children, and I right. try to do the same. And it's it's not easy. It's not easy. But uh, I'll do my best to do that to do again. Well. You love it. I mean, ever since I've met you, you you love grapes. You love wine. I mean, you 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 could never hide that. <laughs> That's just part of you. And I think, as your kids, I've seen it with my children. It's because I've got three kids. Or, by the way, my three adult kids have all visited yeah, yeah, Fontodi, yeah. all of them within the last two years. And you're a sweetheart. I have to thank you publicly. Uh, you know, I send you an email and say, hey, so-and-so's coming over with her husband. And, and you are a wonderful host. They come back and they just, they text They text me. They don't write me, but, but, but call. now it's time you come again. Yeah, it's time for me again. But they text me and say, oh, my gosh, Dad, Giovanni, what a great guy. Blah, 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 on and on. So thank you for that. But... Um, 
No, I mean, if your kids are raised around you and you've got passion, no matter what it is, they'll at least appreciate, I think, wine might not be their passion, but it might be whatever they they do, I think they'll they'll want to emulate that type of passion. I think that you, you, you're right, you're completely right. And if I remember what my father used to say, I don't have to tell you something. Try to, to, to see what I'm doing. I believe in the culture of example, he used to say. The you know? culture La of example. cultura dell'esempio. I like that. Cultura dell'esempio, okay. And it works, I think it works. You know? So um, more than words and talking and talking, you know, I, I think it's much better to... to do things. To do things. And uh, let, let your children see what you're doing. Well, I, I, I reminds me of my eldest daughter, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a list guy. Uh, and now the list is on the phone, but it used to be on a piece of paper in my pocket. And I realized my father, who's 94, he's still a list guy. He's still got his list in his oh. shirt pocket. And... Katie, who's my oldest, you know, a few years ago, she was in her mid-20s, and she, she called me. We were somewhere. She started to laugh. She goes, oh, my gosh. I said, what? She goes, I've become a list person. I said, what do you mean? She goes, look, Dad, I've got lists, just like you always did. <laughs> I, like, oh, no. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so your dad's got the terracotta business. He's got this winery that's becoming bigger and serious. How did he handle both? He was working nights, he was working weekends. Yeah. But yeah. then you and your brother, as you got older, what happened? Because your brother runs the terracotta business. Yeah, but at that time we used to work together okay. when we were students, you know, at the okay. university. So quite busy with the university. He's uh, three years older than me. And we were at the University of Florence of uh, Economy and Business, and, you know, those things. Okay. So we were both studying and working the same time okay and it was you know quite hard but i will do the same if i have the possibility to go back i will do precisely the same you do it again because it was so so exciting and we started from from zero i i remember that we used to to drive to univer to the university with our van full of uh, wine and uh, <laughs> at the end of the classes you know in the in the afternoon we used to do deliveries You'd be doing deliveries. Yes, the same so. day. So it was uh, it was very hard, very tough. And uh, when I, when I uh, tell this story to my children, they don't believe me. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> they say, "No, gonna, you're joking. You're I'm joking." Gonna, <laughs> but it was really? true. It was true. And I. So you get up in the morning, load the van, very load, the van load the van with wine. Yeah. yeah drive to school, yeah. go to class, and after class you make deliveries. Yeah. Why not? Why know? not? <laughs> So we started from zero, you know, now right. Tuscan wines, sure. uh, like your wine are so successful and it's very exciting, you know, to travel all around the world, receiving a lot of success and a lot of people are, you know, they want to shake our hands and see us and uh, talk to us. But the, the beginning was, uh, was, we, was very different. Uh, for all of us. And for all of us. For all of us. <laughs> and, you know, I was talking to Danny Meyer, who's a common friend of both of ours. Yeah. And... Uh, same stories. Here's a there's a, a real successful guy, and but his early days, just like you, just like me, it's it's a lot of hard work, and yeah. and, you, and you don't know if you're going to succeed. You don't know if you're going to absolutely make it. Yeah, you have to take a lot of risk and uh, do sacrifices. You know, mm-hmm. without sacrifice, there is no success. I think. And uh, and I think that is a good example also for <laughs> for the new generations, you know. So why don't why don't I come take your kids out for dinner 
and I'll have a chat with them, and you can take my kids out for dinner and have a chat with them, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll, idea, they'll listen to you idea. more than they're going to listen to me. <laughs> so um, your first winemaker was Franco? Franco Bernabé, he's still with me. Yeah. He's still with you? Yes, yes, yes. Wow. We started together in 1979, and I consider him my mentor, because, wow. uh, you know, my knowledge about wine at the time was, you know, close to zero. Right. <laughs> But I, he's still my consultant because since the beginning he used to say, you know, I'm here in Fontodi to working with you mm-hmm. to let you make your wine. And so he, he didn't want to impose his, uh, you know, uh, right, his ideas, uh, his, um, you know, wine culture to me, but just uh, teach me. And I really, really appreciated that. And uh, yeah, close friends, and he's, he's still my consultant. And that's I don't want to have any any other people, any other person than him. You know? That's great. That's great. And I, I skipped ahead because you and your brother are delivering wine. So after school, coming back to that, <laughs> you both were working in both businesses, or how'd that work? At the beginning, uh, you know, for ten years, uh, seventy nine, twenty nine, we were together. Okay. And then uh, after, you know, graduation, I remember that night, my, my father, <laughs> after, after a beautiful dinner, you know, he asked us, okay, sit on, uh, you know, in the, the chair and uh, I have to tell you something. Okay. What, what, what's, what's new? What's, 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 what's he going to say? Right. Say, okay, yeah, I, I need one of you joining me in the, in the terracotta business. And, but both of us, we were very passionate about wine. We wanted to, to make wine, both Marco and I. Wow. So we, we made a deal. Okay. And the deal was, Marco was uh, saying me, okay, I'm the older. So I sacrificed myself, and I will uh, join my. I, I sacrificed <laughs> myself. <laughs> I, will, I will join my my our dad to the yeah. terracotta business, but but promise me every three years we are gonna switch. We okay. never we never did. <laughs> <laughs> we, you never switched. No, we never. But you promised. Yeah, we promised. you promised. So uh, how's the, is that? How's that worked out? Is he? Is there any resentment no, it, on Marco's part? You know, after after three years, you 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 go deeper and deeper, deeper in and uh, deeper. In, yeah. in, in a specific business and uh, specific activity. So um, couldn't work. But we are corner, so he's, sure. he's, he's so happy and proud of uh, the f- success of uh, Fontodi Wines. And uh, yeah. one of his children is, uh, uh, works with me in the, in the company, oh, so we are so oh, close. that's neat. We, that's we, we live in two different uh, houses uh, that are you know, 500 meters far <laughs> each other. So oh. we are, we are, it's, it's like a large family, you know. That's we, great. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> well, you know, your father, did a really, really great job raising you two guys. Because, <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, that doesn't happen too often. That's yeah. pretty cool. Okay, so I, you, you make a wine that I just adore and I love and I want to hear the story about, and it's called Flaccinello. Could you tell me about that one and the, the history and the yeah, the, origin? The, the first vintage was 1981. Okay. And uh, at that time, uh, you know, end of the 70s, there was a huge crisis in the, in the Chianti Classico appellation. Right. Because there was uh, too much production okay. and uh, the demand was uh, poor. And the main reason why was the rules, you know, the, the wrong rules. Yeah, of what, production and, and help me. What were the rules before? It was, it was yeah. Be, before at that time, uh, right. we we had to to make anti classico wine, blending Sangiovese, 
that was right. the majority, right. 75%, with 20% of white grapes. And the heading white grapes, white must, the Sangiovese was meaning uh, diluting. Well, that was, and, but that was the rule. You yeah. had to do 75 Sangiovese, 25% white grapes. Yeah, 15 to 20 to, uh, right. white grapes, and the, uh, the, the rest is Canaiolo. It's another poor uh, okay. red variety. You know? And if you didn't do that, you couldn't call it Chianti no, Classico? No, 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 no. Oh, so, boy. Yeah, so, and with that recipe, it was really impossible to make outstanding wines. Only one year in a decade, you know? Well, of course, because you're diluting this beautiful red Sangiovese with 15, 20% yeah, white wine. Yeah, you're, yeah. Just, you're just diluted. It's like adding water almost. That was a, a, a recipe uh, huh. ma made in, um, you know, in the, in the former century, but just for early consumption wine. Okay. Uh, so, but the wines at the time were not capable to compete with the best red wines from okay. all over the world. You the know, world. aging potential was quite bad and uh, so we had to, to, to do something different to, okay. to react and the super Tuscan wines you know it's, it's, it's a strange this was, category of, this was uh, the birth of the super Tuscans yeah Fraschinello belongs to that uh, movement and right. uh, it was a sort of revolution you know because uh, uh, Mr. Antinori Pier Antinori with the Tignanello and Pergole Torte and Ceparello and Fraschinello they were all wines Born in the Chianti Classico region. Did did you? I'm going to interrupt. Did you guys talk to each other? Did you no, 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 no. <laughs> you were doing it separately. Separately. But if, and knowing that you couldn't call it Chianti Classico. Yeah. So we had to risky, risky, get, risky. yeah, and getting out from the appellation, labeling our best wine as a vino da tavola, so the lowest category of uh, the pyramid. Table wine. Table wine. But immediately they were so wine. successful, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so creating a sort of paradox. And, and the paradox was the best wines of the region under the, the lowest, in the lowest category of... Uh, Are the lowest the category, <laughs> the best wine. That, how did you... Well, I, I, I totally get this, because if you're into quality, you're going to make the best wine you can, but because of these restrictions, it's labeled table wine. But... How did you get the word out to people? Did you, you, you probably traveled and told the story and yeah. marketed it? And yeah, but you know, when you were opening the bottles and letting people taste the wines, immediately they, they realized that the wine was great. So, <laughs> so no problem. And that was also very useful for, for the rest of the wines of the region, for the okay. Appalachian wines, for the, for the Chianti Classico wines. In fact, because how the, oh, tell they, me how, they, why was they that demonstrated, you know, they showed the, the real potential of the region for quality oh, okay, wines, okay. for high quality wines. And uh, a few years after, in fact, in 1984, the production rules changed and uh, they reduced the amount of uh, white grapes to 2%, that was meaning z almost zero. <laughs> you know? almost zero. Got it. And uh, so they realized that that was the way, that was the direction to follow. And so they played a very important role for, for the, for the, the success. For the, well, of the successful quality yeah. of, yeah, yeah. And yeah. now it's a world-class region where, when you start out, yeah. But, it but wasn't. believe me, it was a sort of uh, revolution. So reacting, a reaction against uh, stupid rules. Did you have people, whoever were the rule makers, were they calling you up and saying, how can, how can you do this? You can't do this. Yeah, at, at, at that time, uh, you know, the consortium that is the association of producers right. you know, uh, that, uh, that was very strong at that time uh, so they, they 
you know, they reacted against our. <laughs> and you're young. You're a young guy, so you're yeah, like, yeah, you're like, yeah. who are these young guys come up and doing and the, this? And the funny story that <laughs> I've, I've been just uh, appointed as president of the consortium. I read that last. <laughs> yes, you're now. Well, hang on, it's in my notes. Only a few weeks ago. So a few weeks ago, you're the chairman of the consortium Vino Chianti Classico. Now yeah. you're the you're the leader of the head dog. Yeah, <laughs> we, so we we you know we did a sort of revolution against the consortium at that time, and now we are leading the consortium. So things about I uh, think that's really good news. <laughs> I'm really happy about that because it's all about good wine and the best wines we can make. Yeah. Oh. Is, uh, but look what you've seen in your life. I mean, when you started at 16 and 17, and that region was not known for really anything except yeah, just kind of. Very different, yeah. Well, I remember growing up in at Davis, Chianti was, we all thought Chianti was the straw basket and all that. Yeah, with a candle on top. Yeah, with a candle on top. <laughs> so look what you've seen in 30 or 40 years. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we, we grew a lot. The reputation of uh, Chianti Classical Wines, uh, you know, grew a lot. and uh, But we have to do more and more, you know. So my goal is to, for the next uh, three years, is to, to work as much as possible to improve. Okay. The, the positioning, the image uh, of all the, the Chianti Classico wine. So I, I will do my best. As a You'll do great. <laughs> Darn it. If Now, I've got more competition from you now. Now that you're in charge, Chianti's going to be, you know, I'll be fighting for shelf space with Napa and Chianti. <laughs> That's okay. It's a, it's a friendly, friendly rivalry. Yeah. And you've got another great wine, which I'm not that familiar with, but I'm curious about it. Vigna del Sorbo. Yes. Can you tell me about that one? Vigna del Sorbo, it is uh, always been a Chianti Classico. Okay. So, because it was born in 1985. So, one year after the change of the rules. And Vigna del Sorbo is the name of the vineyard. So, okay. it is a single vineyard wine. And uh, the Vigna del Sorbo is really one of my best, uh, you know, site. Got uh, it. Vineyard that I have in my property with a beautiful uh, full southern exposure, mm -hmm. very, very rocky soil. A combination between uh, calcar clay schist and limestone together, that are la like layers. And so there is a, um, and also the age of the vines makes the difference. Okay. So that vineyard is the oldest that I have, 50, 55 years old. Wow. And so there is a special land, uh, great complexity. And at the beginning, uh, it used to have uh, a little bit of Cabernet Sauvignon in the blend, <laughs> 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 similar to Firebreak. Right, right. <laughs> So 90 Sangiovese plus 10 Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay. But uh, in 2012, uh, I decided to, to pull the Cabernet vines. Okay. And uh, so after 2012, it says 100% Sangiovese. That's like, like me pulling my Sangiovese vines. <laughs> I did the opposite. I pulled the Cabernet. <laughs> well, you know, when, Same story. When, we, when we pull our Sangiovese, everybody said, well, what did you replace it with? I said, well, it was this, this was wonderful hillside where we were growing it. I put Cabernet in it. Of course. And, <laughs> and guess what? It goes, into what a hill, it goes into Hillside Select, which is like, that's our best wine. So it was a smart move. Sometimes I think we, you know, in the interest of trying new things, we can kind of outthink ourselves a little bit, where sometimes yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. we should just kind of stick to what we do and do it really well. <laughs> um, so tell me, so you've got those two wines, and uh, then you have a Chianti Classico. Yeah, the Fontodi Chianti Classico, that right. is like, uh, you know, the business card of, uh, right. of Fontodi. Beautiful and the wine. main wine that I produce, uh, 100% Sangiovese as well. 
and uh, it represents 60% of the total production. Right, right. So it's the most, uh, you know. The most sold, widespread. Yeah, you see yeah. that see that around. Yeah. It's those three, and is there more? Uh, yeah, I, I make a, a white wine, very small production, made with Sauvignon Blanc, okay. 100%. Good. That is the one where I um, already use some amphoras to, to okay. ferment the the white must fermenting sauvignon block in the amphoras okay. yeah 20 to 30 percent every year is uh, fermented in amphora okay. and it's giving uh, to to the to the final blend a very nice minerality minerality yeah, yeah i can good, see good, that you know like a chalky finish mm -hmm. i like that i like it it works a lot and uh, i'm trying to increase that percentage every year and then i still make a very small production of uh, pinot Okay. Pinot Noir, only a few, you know, three, four thousand bottles. Okay. And uh, also Syrah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The same, very small. But what about your Vincento? Yes, Vincento, oh. Vincento. <coughs> You've got to tell me again how you make that. Vincento, everybody, does everybody make a Vincento in Italy? Just about? Yeah, it's Tuscany, Tuscany. especially, especially okay. in the Chianti region. Uh, almost every family. Okay. They make even they they don't own any vineyard. They they buy some grapes okay. and they they put on straw mats to let them dry. They dry and they, yeah. they shrivel. Yeah, even, they even a small like, uh, small almost, quantity. Yeah, almost like raisins. Yeah, not quite. Yeah, yeah. And then and after a few months they press and uh, we press right <laughs> and we put the mast in a very small barrel. Uh, we call caratelli. Okay. And we seal the barrel, and we open only after seven, eight years, depending wow. on uh, your your style. So it is it is a sweet wine, with a nice you know oxidized bouquet, mm -hmm. with a lot of uh, dry fruit flavors. So dry apricots, dates, uh, almonds. Uh, it's like delicious. That. We had at your winery. You pull that out and say, you know, we really don't make much of this, and we only <laughs> serve it here at the winery. And we're all like, oh, oh, we just fell in love with it. It's delicious. But it's a, it's a wine that belongs to our deep, you know, traditions. Right. And belongs to our culture. So we have to make. It's, it's a moral duty, you know, to make that it's wine. A, <laughs> <laughs> do you do olive oil too? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Oh, We're going to start in a, in a few days with the picking. So yeah. you get right after picking grapes. You go. You go into olives. Yeah. The, the oh. end of October, we we start to to pick the olives. Uh, uh, all by hand, so it takes uh, a month wow. to, to pick all of them, uh, and uh, it's 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 a great product. You know, we use olive oil on everything. everything. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, in uh, in Tuscany, we have a specific food culture, so we don't use any butter or right. cream or milk uh, because we have the olive oil. Got it. So we also, also we make cakes with olive oil. Uh, <laughs> I'm, assu I'm assuming all your wines are exported. Is the olive oil exported? Yes, 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 yes. That's yes, great. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And uh, more and more restaurants, they're um, you know, buying that uh, olive oil because it's a great product to, to do, you know, to finish. Sure. To finish or to, on, on a grilled meat or on a vegetable soup or a, yeah. just a salad. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's a great product. Yeah. A few drops. It's very spicy and, uh, and green, peppery mm -hmm. flavors. It's a great, great product of our territory. Yes. We've got terracotta, you've got fantastic wines, you've got olive oil. Is there anything else I'm missing? Meat. The, the, oh, that's, oh, God, the, the, that's right. Yeah, we the, have so canina cows. The, you know, can, the, the, yeah, the typical. <laughs> pronounce that again for me. Canina. Canina, which are the, the big, I saw the them. big, white Big, cows. white cows. Yeah. And you've, so you have a herd of them, or a bunch. 
55. That's a lot. I'd, I'd call that a herd. Yeah. And um, and they're part of your organic and biodynamic. Yeah. Finger practices. Yes, because okay. I one of the main principles that I apply is the is the of, of the biodynamic uh, agriculture is the self sufficiency. Okay. So trying to maximize internal resources, avoiding external inputs. So, and uh, the the cows they play a very important role because they they produce the steaks, the, the meat uh, for the family or for the crazy butcher that lives in my in my does, village. Does Dario, Dario, gets, yeah. does Dario get some of your meat? <laughs> all, all. <laughs> There's a crazy, I'm sorry, we have to take a moment. There's a crazy butcher. He's not crazy. He's a fun-loving man. Um, Dario's, Dario... Cecchini. Cecchini. In Panzano, which is a small little village right next to Fontodi, and um, his he's known for his... Uh, Voice singing. Yeah. He's known as the singing butcher. So he, yeah, and, he's um, a poet. He's a singer. He's and, a, and, and, and a great, he's a great character. He's a character. <laughs> and if you go to Panzano, you've got to go see Dario. <laughs> so Dario gets some of your meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And uh, but they produce also the manure. You know that the is manure uh, from what, the cows. what I need <laughs> to to make the compost, mm -hmm. and that is my fertilizer. You know so. I try to underline more and more the, the, the terroir flavors, so the, the, the sense of place or of the wines, uh, you know, avoiding uh, external input. So using the compost made in the vineyard, in the, in the farm. And, uh, so so your, your farm slash farms, are, it's all self-sufficient? Yeah, it's, it's like a system, you know, ev system. every part of, uh, of the farm, of the system is, has it's a double relationship with the rest, you know. So I feed the cows with uh, uh, hay and grass and, and barley that I grow in the it, middle of the rows of, in the vineyards. Right. And they give us back the manure, you know, so it's like a circle. Yeah. And uh, and it works. I haven't invented anything. It's some, I just refresh, uh, the refreshed and renewed this, uh, old tradition. And well, yeah, you paid attention to it and took yeah. a step back in time. When when I was a child, uh, there were you know thousands of cows in the Chianti region, and then in the seventies, because the goal at the time was production, production, increase production, of production, production. Redu reduction of the cost, they disappeared in a in a very very in a short time. And I reintroduced them in, you know, 18 years ago. Uh, I'm, I'm so proud of that. That's <laughs> neat. You know, I'm, I'm overdue because I haven't seen you since, uh, it's been over 10 years since I was there. Uh, so they're, they're, I'm they're, way, they're way beautiful. They're, they're so nice. Be come back. <laughs> I, want, I want the full tour this time. Um, so how many kids do you have? You've got three. Three. Boys, girls? Margherita, my daughter, mm -hmm. she's 25. And then Bernardo, 23, and Alessandro, 17. Great. Now, are they, are they, they're living out in the country like you did. Do yeah. they want to get to the city and university and? No, no, no. My wife, she's uh, very, you know, quite disappointed because they, they, they don't want to leave uh, our house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Your wife is Leticia. Leticia, yes. Yes. Yeah. They, live, they don't want to leave the house. They, they live with us. <laughs> and <laughs> You're making it too easy for them. <laughs> Got to make them work harder. <laughs> and Bernardo just started to, to work with me at, okay. uh, at the winery and uh, Margarita, she's, she's doing the same. 
with different uh, with different position. Okay. And uh, Alessandro is too young, you know, he's yeah. 17. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, well, he probably wants to go ride motorcycles. That's right. No, he loves arts. Uh, he loves uh, museums, art collection, exposition. Okay. Yeah. So his dream is to to become a art critic. So uh, okay. something very different. <laughs> well, but why great. not? You know, that's great. <laughs> that's great. And Bernardo, I, I know Bernardo because he's been helping you for a few years. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> How's that feel? Is it neat? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy. I'm very that's happy. That's great. <laughs> that's great. And also, so we've got. You're the chairman of the Consorzo for three. It's a three-year term. Yeah. Okay. So quality will be getting even better. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, it's pretty good, pretty good right now. <laughs> um, curious about your sales. How much percentage-wise do you sell in Italy of your wines? Twenty percent. Twenty percent. So eighty percent is exported. Yes. And and, uh, um, and the USA, of course, is I'm the number one. USA number one market, and uh, Canada is growing very fast. Good, for, it's good to hear. Us too, and uh, all the European countries, from Scandinavia to to, to the rest, and uh, Asia, is mm -hmm. uh, quite good and uh, great potential there. You know, yes. in, in China, but. No, even if I'm, you know, growing in <laughs> with the surface of uh, the vineyards and trying to make a little bit more and more every year, but it's never enough. That's so, that's a good problem to have, <laughs> my friend. Problem. Congratulations. It's a, it's a are you problem. are you traveling? How much do you travel? I travel only, you know, in the winter time. So okay. from now after the harvest, from November to April. And then with the start of growing season, I stop you stay and I, home. Yeah, I stay home, I stay in the vineyard. Good. <laughs> well, isn't that, isn't that I'm, I'm an artisan, so I, love, I like to, to stay hands-on all the time, uh, you know, walking in every day in the vineyards and seeing and trying to interpret what, what they need and, mm -hmm. uh, and trying to, to make my, my best to to, to well, you, you have to because every year is different. Every year is different. Every we have year to change, is especially with the climate change. Yeah, yeah. We there is. A, I I used to say you know that is Mother Nature, mm -hmm. that is like playing with us. So um, it's just to test uh, if we are awake or not, and uh, so <laughs> sending us something new every year. Every year. Every year. So just to check if we are we are waking, we are we are sleeping or awake. You know? <laughs> that's that's good. I'm going to use that with Elias. Um, it's so true, and you know, even after 30 or five years of making wine and growing grapes, you know, sometimes I I almost I start to say we've seen it all, and it's like I, I correct myself and say um, we haven't seen it all. We've seen a lot, but. Not everything, because, and it changes. And you'll, we've, I've noticed all of a sudden something will happen in May or June that's like, uh oh, this is going on. This is going to affect it in September and August. We better start, we better get more water on. We better leaf. We better, you know, something. Yeah. I mean, if you don't do it right then in June, you're going to have a problem in September. Absolutely. Big problem. So I'm glad you're not sleeping. No sleeping <laughs> on the job. <laughs> All right. Well, Giovanni, thank you so much for taking thank the time. You. You're thank a busy you. man. It's so great to see you. And I uh, appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I hope to see you in Fontaudi very soon. <laughs> I, I promise. Soon, soon. Thanks. 
Giovanni Minetti, more than just a guy with a lot of style. He's got a great family story and has definitely earned all the high praise with an incredible work ethic and a great heart. He's one of those people I feel very fortunate to call a friend. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Thanks for listening again today. If you enjoy these podcasts, please feel free to send an email to podcast at schaefervineyards.com with any ideas you may have for future guests or way to improve what we're doing. Also, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It really helps other people find the taste. We'll see you next time.